0: We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 12th, 2018. And today it's going to be more of the traditional format regarding what I was doing before on the current events. Because there's current events that are going on right now, particularly with shutting down the First Amendment, uh, taking away our free speech, and particularly how this pertains to the Internet. Um that we'll be covering today. This is going to be a very extensive, comprehensive study on a lot of updated information that is basically breaking. Um, so that's what we're going to be covering today. But before we get into that, just a quick uh, Bible study. And this is to those that love strife, debate, contention, and railing. Okay, so that's specifically what is this is in reference to. 1 Corinthians 5.11 <clears throat> says, But now I have written unto you, not to keep company if any man that is called a brother, meaning a Christian brother, be a fornicator. Okay, that's sleeping with people, you know, outside of marriage. Adultery is when you do that within the marital bonds. Covetous, okay. Um, so these are people that not, you're not to keep company with, okay, as a Christian, uh, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous, okay, covetous. I think we know what that means. You you covet, you 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 want, you want you you, and it's not necessarily. We all have wants, we all have needs. That's one thing, but this is like above and beyond. This is like you're coveting things. Like I've got to have this, and it's it. I think greed commingles into that a lot as well. Um, when, you, when you run into that, or an idolater. <clears throat> You know, that could cover a lot of bases there as well, with idolatry. If if you look up the full definition of that, it's not just like bowing before some little tiki idol. There's a lot of things that you could have, you know, in your life. I mean, a lot of people. That's why they call the Hellywood icons. Oh, they're my idol. Well, that's literally true. That you can you can apply that application to a myriad of different things in the world. So we got to be careful on that, or a railer. Now, a railer is one who scoffs, insults, censures, or reproaches with obrious language. Opprobrious, I'm sorry. Opprobrious language. Now, opprobrious means reproachful and contemptuous, despised, rendered hateful. Okay, so that's the full kind of definition of what a railer is one who scoffs insults censures reproaches with opprobrious language reproachful contemptuous despise rendered hateful okay so this is somebody we're not to keep company with um now this is in re- reference to if you're like just calmly debating or things of this nature or pointing out wickedness this is really in reference to somebody that just loves this type of of insulting, scoffing, reproaching, contemptuous, hateful. Okay. And I say that because I've had a lot of uh of uh ministers coming out of the woodwork doing studies against particularly the Mandela teaching that I put up. And from what I'm the feedback that I'm getting, and I'm not even gonna name names, but from the feedback that I'm getting, uh a lot of this applies a lot of this is very applicable a lot of people that i'm getting feedback on in fact everybody that i'm getting feedback on about this are saying the hatred that they're hearing and the the scoffing and the mocking and the whole totally unchristian behavior that they're hearing come across loud and clear in these particular studies and um listen I'm more convinced now on the Mandela more than ever. The evidence is so incredibly overwhelming. More stuff is literally breaking every week. And I don't know if these are things that people are just picking up on or whether there are literally changes still happening from the D-wave and the CERN and things of this nature. And I understand a lot of people will, will not believe that no matter what you put in front of them it does not matter that's what I've really come to the conclusion of it does not matter it doesn't matter how overwhelming the evidence is it doesn't matter that I did a 10-hour teaching that I researched literally three to four years on before I ever released it trying to be a good Berean trying to look at that from every angle looking at both sides that doesn't matter now all of a sudden you've got a whole bunch of these ministers coming out of the woodwork that are literal instant experts on the subject that literally probably heard about it that week but because I did it, and I am the subject of such scorn and hatred by so many, particularly Baptist ministers, and I don't know exactly, I think it's because I came out of there and I was friends with a lot of these people at one point, and now I, I'm viewed as this big heretic. I'm, I'm called a Luciferian now, I've heard. I'm taking people to hell. And all of this, this and it doesn't matter what you put in front of them. It, you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, when you, you look at things, you look at the overwhelming amount of evidence like that I presented on the Mandela, none of that really matters to them. They get more traction. They get farther along because you can't refute the 10 hours. There's no way it can be done. You can debate points. Sure, we, we can all debate a given point within the study. Sure, a given memory or given this or a given that. But there's certain, when taken in totality. Over 10 hours of research. With more stuff breaking all the time. It cannot be refuted. And I'm not saying that out of pride. I'm saying that out of, it is a fact. I mean, it is an absolute, I mean, the the Job 21, 24, and I didn't even cover these in the study. His breasts are full of milk. This is talking about a man. This is not talking about god because some people say he's el shaddai or whatever they all breast you or whatever they say okay this is talking about a man it's comparing a man with another man and this particular man was a robust man it says his breasts are full of milk and his bones are moistened with marrow his breasts are full of milk wow okay but i'm i'm the crazy one i'm the heretic i'm the one taking people to hell i'm the luciferian for pointing this out Okay. Numbers 11.12 I have conceived all this people have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth a, the sucking child. A nursing father? So now men in the Bible can nurse their child with breasts full of milk. I mean, but, you know, I'm the devil for pointing this out. I am Satan incarnate, evidently, now. What about the lunacy now of turtles being used instead of turtle doves for the Levitical sacrifice? Heard about this one yet? Look it up. Do they take the turtles out of the shell or just cook the turtle in the shell on the fire in the Levitical sacrifice? Turtles are not even kosher, and Israel was forbidden to eat them. Yet portions of sacrifices were given to the priests to eat, according to Deuteronomy 18.1. Where does it say this? Leviticus 12, 6 through 8. And then there's, a, there's two more verses I'll, I'll read you, because I haven't went over these. So I might as well just do this. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove. Okay, now this is where the Bible is still correct. Okay, or a turtle dove. For a sin offering under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest, who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her for a woman making an atonement and she shall be cleansed from her issue of her blood this is the law for her that hath born a male or a female evidently this is after she's given birth to a male or a female and 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 if she be not able to bring a lamb she shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons now, hold on. It's just said above in verse 6 that she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Okay, now we're going down and we're, we're, we're not mirroring exactly what was just said in verse 6, but it's very, very close to it. It talks about she, if, if she's not able to bring a lamb, she shall bring two turtles though now. Not turtle doves, turtles, an unclean animal to the Levitical sacrifice. And what makes it even more emphatic is it says, or two young pigeons. See, that's still correct. The two young pigeons part, which mirrors what just happened in verse six. (laughs) But it's two turtles now. But remember, I am the Luciferian for pointing this out. You could have not even found a person on planet earth that defended and has defended and still will keep defending the King James Bible more than I have but I also have two eyes in my head God gave me a brain and the stuff that's going on isn't right and if we look and let's just look at this real quick you're saying well how why would this be happening how could this be happening I don't believe it I I, I just I I don't I don't see how this could ever ever be happening, it doesn't make sense I don't believe it because God's pres- promised to preserve his word and he promised to do it forever and I'm not arguing with that I'm not arguing with that at all The Bible, but the Bible here's what the Bible actually says though Psalm 119 verse 89 forever O Lord thy word is settled in heaven that's where everything is uncorrupted in heaven okay That's where everything is uncorrupted. So while, yes, the Lord promised to preserve his word, he said it would be done in heaven. The Bible also says, Behold, the days cometh, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. How's that going to happen? This has never been fulfilled. So we should be expecting this. It's a prophecy that has not been fulfilled. Well, it's being fulfilled now. I think we're all, we're seeing that. Anybody that has eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east and they shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. How is that possible when you can go up to any dollar store and buy, you know, 50 King James Bibles, $1 King James Bibles and hide them everywhere? There's no way that If the government came after all the Bibles, if they could ever get them. They don't have uh, detectors that could detect paper. If they were metal, it would be one thing. But they're paper. You could bury them. This is why it makes it so important to hide the word of God's in our heart. Where Satan cannot get to it. And as the Lord leads, writing down key verses down by hand seems to way to a way to counter this mandela effect a lot of times when people have wrote these down by hand they're not changed not always but many times but i cannot say this would be 100 effective praying against these changes and this technology causing this i really believe is the key regarding preventing further changes from taking place but but if this is a prophecy that's being fulfilled and will be fulfilled and we know every prophecy in the bible will be fulfilled then that may not work at all. Despite our best efforts of praying against this, that may not work. Because of what Amos 8 and 11 and 12 say. Because I'm not bigger than the word of God. I'm not bigger than this prophecy. No matter how bad I personally don't want this to happen. Do you know how bad I wanted somebody to refute this, debunk this teaching? I was hoping for the last three to four years that somebody would come along and do a thorough total debunking and rebuttal of this and i've yet to even hear anything that remotely remotely can do that you you cannot do it because the verses are changed and a lot of the changes are becoming more and more insane more and more in your face it's almost like satan's mocking us to the point where the people that don't believe is like okay well let's do this now with the d-wave computer however they're doing this cern d-wave working in concert maybe mass witchcraft doing this as well He's the prince of the power of the air, the Bible says. Let's see what they think about this change. Let's see if they keep defending that these that the Mandela effects, the quantum effects don't exist now on this change. And it's almost like Satan is just mocking it at this point with these changes. They're becoming so egregious, so out of control, so in your face. And it's going to be really hard. It's, it's harder and harder for somebody to like, backtrack on this the more they double down and the more they just emphatically say no nothing's changed nothing's changed in society nothing's changed in the bible nothing's changed at all okay you can you can believe that if you want um the bible says that for this cause god shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie that they might all be damned you know who received not the love of the truth but had pleasure unrighteous i mean I'm not saying you're going to hell, like a lot of the people preaching on Mandela are saying. You believe this, you're going to hell. I'm not able to really refute anything, but you're going to hell, bless God, because the Bible says that, you know, forever, O Lord, you know, well, I say forever, O Lord, that word is settled in heaven. And they'll say, yeah, but God's promised to preserve his word. Yeah, he did, in heaven, yep, yep. And we've had the best representation of that word in the King James Bible, and it still is the niv has 64,098 less words than the king james at least it did prior the other change i'm sure it's probably about the same so that's almost 10 percent of the total text plus it was translated from a corrupt text type i'm not going to tell people to start reading other versions okay i mean but it is kind of weird kind of a coincidental wacky funny thing that It just seems like the most egregious changes have taken place in the King James. That's where it seems... And if you were the devil, what would you focus in on? Would you focus in on the NIV that's already got 64,000 less words, uh, approximately, that's already translated from a corrupt text type, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, from two occultists that literally brought us the revised version in 1881, which is what spawned the NIV, which literally had a lady who was a rabid lesbian named Virginia Mollencott on the translation committee... Is that, the, is that the version you'd go after? Or the Jehovah Witness version? Or the Catholic, the American Standard Version? These are all corrupted versions. So the devil's going after, he was going after the one that wasn't corrupted. That's what the devil wanted to get. And I do believe it's part of the strong delusion at this point. I believe God is permitting it. I believe it's fulfilling Amos 8.11 and 8.12. Because that has to be fulfilled, and it hasn't been fulfilled. So why are we all, why are so many people freaking out over the fact that, the, that, this, that this literal prophecy is being fulfilled when we should be expecting this to happen? Now, it may not be the way you thought it was going to go around. You may have been, thought, no, it's, it means they're going to confiscate Bibles. No, it, it doesn't. You can hide Bibles anywhere. They can't find them. There's no way. They can't find paper. Maybe if they had some kind of devil with them, a devil that could pick up if the Bible was an... I don't, I mean, but that doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? This way actually makes sense. But people are having a really, really, really tough time wrapping their head around this Mandela thing. A lot of people are. Now, the ones that aren't are just like, I don't understand. What is not computing to these other people? What is, why can't they see these other changes? It's scary. I get it. It's scary to a lot of people. I didn't want to report on this. I put this thing on the shelf for three to four years. I knew the hate I was going to get from this. I knew it was all coming like an avalanche. I didn't really know to the extent. Now I kind of am getting a pretty good idea. Now I'm not a defender of the word of God anymore. And I'm a reprobate heretic apostate when all I've ever done is defend it. But I also, again, have two eyes in my head and a brain. It's turtles now. We're going to bring an unclean animal. When it says turtle doves and two verses above it and two pigeons and a pigeon, then it says two turtles and a pigeon, two verses below. You can't, you're not going to bring an unclean animal to that. I'm, t- I'm telling you, Satan's just mocking, mocking us. His breasts are full of milk. Wow. And just so you know, this is not talking about God. I'll read you the whole thing. Job 21 to 26. Shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judgeth those that are high. One dieth in his full strength, being holy at ease and quiet. Okay, now this is a description of the one that dieth, a man that dieth, not God. He dies in his full strength, being holy at ease and quiet. He's that lived a good life. (coughs) Excuse me. He's holy at ease. He's quiet. This is a description of him. His breasts are full of milk. (laughs) I mean, come on! Seriously? Really? But I'm the Luciferian. Remember that. Etch it in your mind. His breasts are full of milk and his his bones are moistened with marrow. He's full of strength. He's being holy, decent, quiet. And then, and another dieth, another type of person dieth, in bitterness of soul and never eateth with pleasure. So this is another. They're contrasting two different men that die, okay? And they shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worm shall cover them. And then it goes on to say in, in um, Numbers eleven twelve, carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth the sucking child. Wow wow and i've tried to listen to some of these debates where these guys these people are, are given these and they just they just him and haw and, and oh no it always said that no it, it it did it's it's you know a nursing child nursing father bearing a sucking child makes total sense to me you know totally against nature totally against nature you know There's a video um, that I had put out. It's Preachers, J. Vernon McGee, Charles Smith, Chuck Missler, John Corson. Remember the original KGB Bible Bible verses. It's a very good one. I've put that out, and it covers this Turtles verse. I didn't even cover that in the teaching. You know, I had, had, you know. There's so much breaking on this information all the time. I mean, now, chartreuse is not like a hot pink type color. It's lime green. I'm sorry. I remember that specifically specifically i remember that about chartreuse the color but you know i'm the i'm the crazy one for pointing that out i'm i'm the bad guy for doing that you know you got the line, lean. you know we covered that one extensively in the first thing this is how the original verse read okay Isaiah eleven six. 6, Then the lion shall lie down with the lamb, and the bear shall eat grass like the ox, and the child shall play on the hole of the asp, and nothing shall hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Now it reads, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, mm, a leopard, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. Wow. And there are multiple videos of multiple people throughout, in, throughout like the last so many years, singers, preachers, all these people quoting the lion shall lay down with the lamb. Why do so many people quote from Isaiah 11 saying that the lion shall lie down with the lamb? That quote doesn't even exist in any other modern Bible translation. And I wanted, what I just said, the last statement that I said, okay, because that is huge. Where are we getting this memory of the lion laying down with the lamb? Is it all the other false versions where it said it? Well, you can look it up at Old Bible O L D E Bible.com. There are 16 English translations on that site from 1394 Wycliffe to 1902, including Tyndale, Geneva, ERV, and ASV. All 16 say wolf now. Wolf shall lie down with the lamb or dwell with the lamb on bible gateway you can look look at any verse with 51 translations of that verse side by side they all say wolf but we're all just misremembering it collectively you could go up to some guy that hates god you could go up to an atheist what does the bible say that you know is going to lay down with the lamb well it's the lion i heard that you know Even people that aren't saved that that have had almost no exposure to Christianity know that verse. But I'm the devil incarnate for pointing that out. 51 translations of that verse side by side they all say wolf. My listener goes on to say This fact is pretty amazing because it shows that if Satan is not able to change the Bible, then the lion laying down with the lamb is a completely made-up phrase so that many people using it when it never existed in any translation, but we all know that is ridiculous, you know, obviously. So, you know, that one is like the 800-pound gorilla in the room to me. That one is like, how do you get around this one, guys? I mean, I mean, how? How do you possibly? No, we'll just fail. Always say. Always said wolf. Always said wolf. Wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Wow. There's so many videos on this that they are documenting commentaries where people are doing the comp. And then yeah, and then I'll get back. Yeah, but these commentaries say wolf. Yeah, well, you know that's been changed. Okay, but not all the commentaries have been corrupted, and a lot of the old audios like Jay Vernon McGee reading in this one video. He's like, yeah, and he reads the verse and it's almost like he reads the verse and then he says, yes, and the lion will lay down with the lamb. <laughs> it's like he doesn't even pay attention to what he just read because he knows in his mind it's the lion that lays down with the lamb. But he, he says the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, but he goes right on to say it's the lion shall lay down with the lamb like the wolf didn't exist because he's right in his recollection. I wish we could just get all on the same page on this, guys. I mean, this is this is not something, you know, this is all about divide and conquer. The flat earth thing is all about divide and conquer. The whole thing that's going on right now in the mainstream media narrative that I'm going to be covering today, like it's all about divide and conquer. Blacks against whites and Christians against whoever. And, you know, it's all about divide and conquer. Trump voters against, you know, Hillary voters. Satan loves to divide and conquer. Do you know that the Illuminati has a flat earth? The Illuminati playing cards has a flat earth card. Flat earthers. It's like they're mocking us. 51 translations side by side and they all say wolf, not lion. So how can so many people get it completely wrong as if it was coming from their own imaginations if that never, ever existed in any plane of existence? How in your face do we have to make this if you're still on the fence? And I'm not condemning you. I love you. God bless you. You can attack me all day long. Fine. That's your prerogative. But that is not Christian-type behavior to just go railing on people and hate and all this stuff that I'm getting all this feedback on. It's like, you know, you're right. You should be concentrated on me when I've got irrefutable evidence on this. Definitely focus all your energy of your ministry on hating me and trying to debunk something you can't debunk. When we've got little children being raped by pedophiles and that... I mean, if if you've been on my email list, if you're not on my email list, you really need to get on it. Go to contendingfortruth.com. It's free. Like everything I do, it's free. I'm not charging anybody. I've never done that. I'm not saying I don't have products I don't ever sell, but I'm talking about what I do in this ministry has always been free. The PDFs are free. The audios are free. My newsletters are free. Can't make it much more easier than that. Every single email newsletter that I've been putting out recently, and because I think this is where God's heart is. I think this is what God wants us to be keen on, is about the pedophiles, about his children that are being raped and tortured and being dismembered. They're being killed in front of other children and forced to eat them. I heard a girl yesterday that escaped from one of these things It's called Uncle Sam's Snuff Whatever. They mockingly have names for these things. And she was going into the fact that they have got rich men that come in, and a lot of these are underground bases in some way, shape, or form. And they have rich men that come in that literally just, they order up whatever children they want to do whatever they want to to it. And they're so rich, they have so much money, they could just literally do that, like, just all day long. Torture one, sexually abuse it, kill it, mutilate it, drink its blood, send the next one in. This is going on! There is so much stuff coming about the pedophilia with Hollywood. I mean, it's like... They're glorying in their shame. They literally are. The tweets that are coming out of Hollywood from these guys, it's almost like you would think they would want like wanna like try to distance themselves from this. The the really sick, twisted stuff Tom Hanks is doing and Steven Spielberg and all these weird tweets, you would think that they would like wanna be acting like really puritanical and like really, really wanting to like, you know, oh, okay, let's not rock the boat here. Let's let's deny, deny, deny. They're not denying anymore. They're coming right out and basically. Saying, yeah, we're into this. We like it. All these really sick, twisted, weird tweets from Hollywood executives and producers and actors. And I'm talking A list actors. I have never seen anything like it. It's like the whole world is going totally insane. Demon possession on a mass scale. This is why I've said to pray against CERN and these quantum computers, because I think this is having a lot to do, I think it's adding to whatever witchcraft is going on on the planet right now. And we're seeing the abyss of hell unleashed. And people are becoming more demon-infested by the minute. And they're engaging in sicker and sicker, more twisted stuff. She said, and was, I'm just going to say this because this is one of the things she said goes on. She says, you can go in there, rich women will come in and they'll literally order children, um, whatever type, white, black, whatever they want. And they literally will order children prepared. And I mean, they come out fully cooked. Like they put them in an oven alive and cook them and prepare them. Chefs, prepare them! And they come out in there, but we don't need to be focusing on that. No, no. Let's focus in on flat earth. Let's focus in on our hate on somebody exposing these Mandela changes, whether it's me or anyone else that can't be refuted. And the more they can't be refuted, let's just give them more hate because that's going to change everything. And it's going to really make me a lot closer to God. I'm right with God when I'm railing against another brother in Christ or a sister or whoever. I'm more right with God when I'm in that mindset. I feel close to God when I'm operating out of hate. I have hatred for wickedness. They could do all day long, they could rail on me and say oh, whatever. I'm not going to put out videos on them. I'm just not. I could, I could. I got files on all these Baptist ministers doing this stuff to me. Big ones. Big ones. Big ones that have taken me years to compile. You know what? I'm not going re- to release that for public consumption. I'm not going to do it. I am not going to lower myself to their level. It is unbiblical. It is unscriptural. It is unchristlike. You're storing up God's wrath when we should be focusing on things like these pedivores like Hillary Clinton. That literally eat children," she said. Another thing they do in these snuff film, these snuff places where they where they bring these children in, is they will donate the um, and I'm I'm just you might want to take the kids out of the room for this one. I'm just telling you. I'll try to sanitize it as much as I can, but they donate their own bodily excrements, their own poop and pee. They donate it, and then they will put the live child in a, essentially, in a cauldron of boiling excrement and cook them alive in front of them because they like it. They like how they feel when they see the child being tortured in their own boiling excrement. But by all means, let's just focus in on this other stuff because that's what's really important. Sorry, I just kind of had to get this off my chest. I don't think I'm in the wrong. If I am in the wrong, please, God, Lord Jesus Christ, remove me from this ministry. I beg him. I do that all the time. If I'm leading people astray, I beg God to do it. Do these other people do that? I've done it for years. Does it mean I'm Mr. Perfect? Perfect. I've said it a million times, or a, many times, that if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell. I'd be the first one to accuse me before God. Half the time, I came stand myself, okay. But I say that before all this, I've said that before all men. I say it before God. Kill me, God and get me out of here if I'm leading people astray because I don't want their blood on my hands. I'm not asking about to take me to hell. I don't think I'm going to hell, but I'm saying if I am literally leading people astray, I waited three to four years before I did either of those studies on Flat Earth or Mandela. Three to four. I researched it that long, hoping with the mandela i mean the flat earth i never had any doubt on but the but the other one praying that somebody would come along and just refute the whole thing i didn't want to do it but i had to because it's deceiving so many people and a lot of them are my listeners and i have a responsibility to them to whom much is given much is required Regarding the lion and the lamb, there are numerous old movie and TV shows quoting it. Famous musicians like Elvis, Johnny Cash, people like Martin Luther King Jr. quoting it, TV preachers quoting it, multitudes of pictures and sculptures portraying it, people that have tattoos of it. I mean, you know, all over. Do you ever see a tattoo of something with the wolf lined out? Or, or go into a church and see a big mural of a wolf with a lamb in a church? <laughs> or, or like in the pictorial Bibles, it's always a lion laying down. Okay, yeah, well now it could be changed though because, but I'm talking about like in times past. No, you didn't. There might be some now, sure. Because things have changed. But I'm talking about in times past. I've, I've never seen that. That's just one thing though. We could debate that one thing all day long. I'm talking about the totality. My 10 hour teaching, just the stuff I covered. It can't be refuted, guys, I'm sorry. I wish it could be. And I'm not saying that out of pride. I'm just saying it's, it's like, it's a fact. The line in the Lamb verse was quoted by John Bunyan. The works of, of John Bunyan, Volumes 1 through 3. There's a link to it I, I give. I'm going to go ahead and repost this in the, in the ver- this whole thing. This is my, basically, this is my answer to people now on the Mandela. I'm going to repost this after these Bible verses I go through in the PDF for this date august 12 2018 here are 16 quotes from books commentaries devotionals that have the lion shall lie down with the lamb that's just one of the videos up there i'm gonna and I, I didn't there was a lot of stuff i didn't even cover on that okay i just added that in and it says to my listeners this may be have helped you and this is now my standard re- response to the mandela quantum effect deniers. these are like the some of the really big ones not not all not all i mean did you did you know that the scene from risky business now where um tom cruise comes out in a white dress shirt you know, in his underwear white dress shirt with sunglasses on remember that no that's not what it's that's not what it is anymore he's not wearing sunglasses now and he's wearing a striped shirt okay now that is a that is a trigger memory for a lot of people that i mean people have done all kind of videos on that online where they 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 mimic that over the years from you know ever since the movie came out but now it's totally different he's no no sunglasses and he's wearing a striped shirt but i'm the crazy one for pointing that out okay so i think i've said well let's let's just go through the rest of the verses so the bible says and let me just repeat the first verse first corinthians 5 but now i have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer which is what we were just talking about or a drunkard or an extortioner with such and one not to eat next verse for what i have for what have i to to do to judge them that are without meaning the people out in the world we, we, what it's basically saying is that we're not really to judge the people out in the world. Okay, because they're in the world. They're not Christians. We can't expe- we can't have any real expectation from them. They're not Christians. They don't have the Holy Spirit living inside them. But then it says, do not ye judge them that are within. Now, if you read the whole context of 1 Corinthians 5, it is basically when a person that's calling himself a Christian has taken his dad's wife, I'm assuming it's a stepmom, I hope to the Lord it was a stepmom, to wife. And then the Bible talks about, but you are glorying in your shame over this. Like the church thought, oh, we're so with it and hip that we can do this. You know, and it goes on to say, you know, turn such and one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. Meaning that he could still be saved, but he needs to be turned over to Satan. And this is God's basically chastisement. He, God is going to let Satan chastise him because of his wickedness in the hopes that his soul would be saved and, and in the hopes that it would be an example for the church that they wouldn't participate in any kind of garbage like that. And you look at like what's going on in the churches nowadays. This pedophilia thing goes right into the churches. And, and I've seen it talked about in Baptist churches if not more, just as much if not more than any other denomination. In fact, I think it's more. Because the Baptists are stricter and they have, a, they have more of a they have more of a, a circle your wagons type of mentality. and what goes on there a lot of times is much more hidden. and it's, it's more I mean I can't tell you how many times when I was in the Baptist Church, how many times I heard about preachers and pastors molesting little kids. You go up on you just can't doing a YouTube search. Baptist you know I'm not condemning all Baptist preachers. I'm just saying it goes on there. I think in almost a disproportionate manner in that particular circle. And from what my time there, I've found that a lot of them are very, very close-minded to stuff like this. I mean, this is why I'm got attacked so much. Oh, I did studies on aliens. Oh, we don't believe in any of that. There's, there's no agenda there at all. You know, Satan's just devoted billions and billions of dollars to promoting this in Hollywood and all the UFO sightings. And then three percent of the population's been abducted. According to their own statistics, and it's probably higher. All of this soft disclosure that's happening right now—all the UFO, the thousands of UFO sightings that happen every single year, all the people abducted, all the shows, all the things—there's nothing to it, though. There's no agenda. There's no end game at all. Of course, you know what was I thinking? I'm so stupid. I shouldn't cover that. I should just cover it up. Even though there's just volumes and volumes and volumes of information about this stuff. Or when I cover cryptozoological creatures, I hear I get made a lot of fun of that in Baptist circles. Oh, Bigfoot and all that other stuff. Yeah, there's none to any of that stuff. And vampires and werewolves and no, no, no. Aliens, that's all, that's all a bunch of lies. Well, we'll see. We will see, won't we now? <laughs> no, there's, there's no hidden agenda behind that all. There's, there's nothing. Wickedness doesn't even exist in the world. It's all a fallacy. devil don't exist. You know, in my time in the Baptist church, what I've seen is that they had a very, I'm going to step on the devil's head mentality. Oh, he's just some stupid old split foot. They very, very, very much underestimate the devil. And the Bible says that we're not to even bring a railing accusation against him. The angel that disputed with Moses' body did not even bring a railing accusation against Satan, but said, the Lord rebuke you. That's all he said. Satan, or... We're talking about Satan here. Jesus did not bring a railing accusation against Satan. But said, get thee behind me, Satan. And the Lord rebuke you and, and the things of this nature. We're underestimating our enemy. And I think the Baptists, are, I think all denominations are a great example of underestimating the enemy and what he is capable of doing and the links he will go to to get people into hell and deceive them. This is why spiritual warfare is so important. This is why getting full deliverance, I believe, as a Christian. Deliverance is for Christians. I'm I'm flat out telling you, I've done this study before. No, it's not. It's for unsaved people like the, the exorcist and some Catholic guy doing that. Yeah, because the Bible doesn't say that when you cast out a devil of a man that, if that, if, if, that is not re, if that territory is not reoccupied, essentially, the devil cometh back with seven more, even worse. And the later state of that man is worse than the first. Why? Because he was never saved. He never had the Holy Spirit living inside him. So he brings back seven more of his friends that were even worse than him, and now the, the later, you don't do deliverance on an unsaved person. About one third of Jesus's ministry was deliverance. About one third was healing, and about one third was preaching. We need to get back. To, isn't aren't we to follow Christ? Aren't didn't Christ say that greater things you will do? No, no, no. None of that's applicable for today. None of it's applicable. He said, "Greater things you will do." That's what I believe. That's the God I believe in. That's what I am trying to get myself into a position where I'm as right with God as I can so that he can use me properly. Because I'm my own worst enemy. I don't know about you all, but I'm my own worst enemy. To be a vessel fit for the master's use. That's what we should all be striving to be. Not bickering and backbiting and... You know, gossiping and in you know maliciously speaking all the stuff against one another. It's, it's not what we need to be focusing on as Christians. It's it's anti Christian to do that. The Bible condemns it. Does that mean I've never done that? I'm guilty as charged, totally guilty as charged. Does that mean I don't get in the flesh still and get mad? about this stuff and say things I shouldn't say, yeah, guilty as charged. If there's anything I need help on, it's God controlling my tongue and God controlling my temper. You know? The old life that you live just doesn't go away. Just doesn't, those, those memories linger. Your old habits linger. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I grew up in the most new age household you could grow up in. Just about. Mom was into yoga, um, rock and roll, pornography playing on 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 the on the TVs from an early age. I was exposed to this stuff. Stack of Playboys in the in the whatever. I, this is how I was brought up. My dad beating me to the point where I almost died on several occasions would smother me with pillows because I one time I got the wrong kind of M and M's. At a store, I brought him. I brought him. I'm not. I just, this is true. I brought him chocolate. And he wanted the peanuts. And we got home, and I'll never forget that. He took that that bag of um, chocolate M&Ms and smashed them on the floor, and I was the worst beating I ever got in my life. I almost died on that one. You ever been, you ever been smothered to the point of where you poop and pee yourself? That's called the Riddick reaction. That's what you do right before you die. Because your body's trying to find any way it can to, like... <laughs> Eliminate ballast and whatever. I'm not exactly even sure, but that's what happens. I've had that happen to me several times. That's rough stuff. That's rough stuff. That messes a kid up, you know? I did a lot of wicked, evil stuff when I was a little kid. I did. Really wicked, evil, even some sadistic stuff. And I look back on that and I'm like, oh, good God. What was I, you know, what was I thinking? I would never do that now. Well, I'll get the Holy Spirit living inside me now. God's healed a lot of that garbage. I have no desire for any of that stuff. But I'm never going to say I'm perfect. And I'm, and I'm, you know, far from it. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 5.13, but them that are without, God judgeth. Meaning God judges the world. So we don't need to worry about judging the world and condemning them and pointing the finger and say, oh, I'm better than you. And that, I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, that was the worst thing I saw about the Baptists. I'm just flat out telling you. I wasn't even planning on doing any of this today. But I, 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 I beg God, I'm like, God, I pray the Holy Spirit speak through me. I really do. It really doesn't matter. My life's not a popularity contest. I've lost so many listeners over this Mandela thing and the Flat Earth thing. I mean, you know, whatever. May, may the Lord's will be done. I'm not happy I have. It saddens me, yes, but, you know, Middle Lord's will be done. And, you know, when I was in there, there was such a huge tendency to the women all wore long skirts and the men dressed a certain way. Now, I always dressed nice. I was, I mean, I went to work, suit, well, not a suit, but I had a white collar, button-out shirt, long sleeves, tie, the whole not. I like to look like a doctor. When I was in practice, I didn't want to wear scrubs. I'm not condemning anybody to wear scrubs. I'm just no way I'm going to work in pajamas. Sorry. <laughs> That's just me. That's how I felt about it. okay? Um, I wanted to look like a doctor, and, and I went to church that way, okay? And I raised Taylor that way. and I, there's nothing wrong with that. That's all wonderful. But what is wrong is when you look down on other people that aren't dressing like you, that are in the world, that we're not even supposed to be judging. We're supposed to be trying to love them to Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine among men that all men will see God through you. We're supposed to love them to Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to be judging them. How is a Baptist going to lead somebody to the Lord when they're like, well, look at that. I wouldn't let him in our church if I... uh." And this spirit of pride that I've seen there, witnessed it firsthand, Taylor witnessed it firsthand, Taylor more than myself, I put her in the schools. She was in a Baptist schools for I don't even know how many years. Man, she was ready to get out of there when when we finally got her out of there. We couldn't take it anymore, neither of us could. The judgmentalness, the the, the holier-than-thou behavior, the, the sanctimonious behavior of like the the people there. It's not of God. It's not of God. It's just not. But them that are without, God judgeth. He judges those that are without of the church, okay? We're not supposed to going pointing the finger at them. What expectation can we have of them? They're not even saved. The Holy Spirit doesn't live inside them. Then it goes on to say, do not ye judge, do not ye judge them that are within, within the church. And this is when it talks about if any man that's called a brother be a fornicator a covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunker or an extortioner with such one not to eat. You put that person out of the congregation because they're bringing leaven into the congregation. They're corrupting it. Okay. That's the, we got to rightly divide the word of truth. And the thing is with this is that because that's what I came out of, I've had to fight and battle that same spirit for a long, long time. Because that's what I was, I was in the middle of when I was in the Baptist. Now, I, I, you've told, I've told you I went to a Catholic high school a lot of a lot of that sanctimonious type behavior there too lutheran middle school um when i got saved i got into basically kind of assembly of god hyper then i got into really hyper charismania got out of that and then i got into the most strictest sect of independent fundamental king james only unregistered baptist church okay so i've kind of been the gamut and i battled this too i battle it even to this day not pointing the finger judging in my mind at least it's really hard to break free from when when you've done it for so long it becomes an ingrained thinking pattern but it's not a thinking pattern that god gave you and you can break free you can just ask god you know if you if you be led of the spirit you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh pray every day that you're led of the spirit body soul that the spirit meaning the holy spirit you, you, and if you're led of the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So pray the Holy Spirit control your body, soul, and spirit. Every aspect of your being. Because if He is, you're going to be in pretty good stead with God. But it, it's a matter of yielding to that. And getting in the Word. And praying. And fasting. And these types of things. I mean, I've had more physical stuff happening in the last eight months than I ever have. But I'm also, I feel like I'm closer to God than I've ever been. And I'm still here. God's kept me in the game, you know. So praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. I've lost like, and I wasn't, I I never had like a gut, okay? And I'm not condemning anybody that does, but I never did. But I've lost like almost 35 pounds right now. And... Just a lot of it was fasting. And just, I don't know, I just don't have the same, I don't know. It's like my carnal desires are less the more I get closer to God. And I don't don't eat as much. And I never really ate a lot before. I ate a lot when I was younger. But when you get older, man, it's harder. Because your metabolism slows down. And especially if it runs in your family line. There are genetic factors. And it does in mine, big time. And man, oh man, I remember I used to go to bed when I was 21 and wake up five pounds lighter and not even have to even give it a second thought. And now it's like, you know, I've got a, It's like an absolute battle. And I'm talking, I'm doing all my nutrients with it. I'm talking, I'm eating clean. And it's hard. I think a lot of it is, is a lot of the technology they're doing us. The 5G they're, they're hitting us with, the cell phone towers, the GMO foods. And I've been trying to stay away from the GMO foods. Totally. Or, not totally, but, you know, a lot more. There's just so many things they're doing us to on, on a daily basis that's trying to literally fatten us up and to literally destroy our health and to literally get us dependent on the medical pharma cartel. It's another thing I, I used to say a lot in the Baptist. I really go against the medical pharma cartel. I mean, most of the people are on multiple, multiple meds and they worship their doctors. And they love, you know, and they thought they could do no wrong. So I was hated from that standpoint too. I've been hated before over stuff like that. But you know what? All that stuff happened to me to make me stronger. But you know what's more important? That I can help you. It's not about me. This ministry isn't about me. It's about you. It's about my listeners. It's about helping them. Let them that's greatest among you, let them be your servant. I'm trying to be a servant to people. I've tried to do that ever since I've really been doing this full time. Especially, well, since '06, and then I, was, I moved up here and I was able to do it full time. So the, it, it says that, um, but then that are without God it; therefore put away from among yourself that wicked person. That's never done in the church anymore. And this isn't just, you know, we've, we, this is after you've warned the person. This is after you've went to the person You know, go to such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. That's another verse, when you see somebody, a brother and an heir. You go to such a one in a spirit of meekness. Not, well, bless God, you're a sinner. No, you go to such a one in a spirit of meekness. You also don't bring a railing accusation against an elder. I haven't named any names today. I bit my tongue on this issue for a long time long 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 time while i've had so many people do dedicated teachings on me just to slander me basically like they know me they don't even know me most of them i've never even met but it's fine it's fine i'd rather them be slandering me than some other christian you know maybe that's not maybe as strong And I'm not saying I'm Mister Whatever when I'm saying that if they want to focus their energy on me while they're not focusing their energy on some other Christian that maybe couldn't handle it, that's fine. I'm a big boy, you know. I'm ready to die for Jesus Christ. I mean that, you know. I'm not just saying that. That's why I say if I wasn't if I if I didn't really mean it, I, I don't think I'd be praying to God that please God kill me if I'm leading people astray. And He knows I mean it. I'm not lying about it. You know, do I want him to kill me? No. Do I fear God? Oh, you better believe I fear God. Proverbs 22.10 says, cast out the scorner. Scorner would be like a railer. And contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Hmm. So when you cast out the scorner, the railer, and every, I'm sure about every church has got them. The Bible says contention will go out. Meaning all that fighting and bickering and backbiting. Contention is going to leave too. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. That's why you, that's why you put away from among them that wicked person. You do that, though, in hopes that, and pray for them, you do that in hopes that they'll get saved, that they'll come to their senses. That they'll under, but see, if you, if you condone the behavior, in their own mind, they're like, well, nobody's upbraiding me, nobody's, you know, reproaching me about this, I must be okay. See, this is church discipline that's just never, ever, ever carried out. I'm not called to be a pastor, for sure. But I'm saying this should be standard procedure in churches, but it's not. It's all about the money most of the time. And preserving their 501c3 status and not making the government mad over what they might say, where they lose that 501c3 status so they can't write it off on their taxes and they don't get subsidies from the government. Literally, the 501c3 church that literally gets their right to exist by the government. Oh, that's biblical. Anything with two heads is a monster. Jesus is supposed to be the head. How is that possible if you're a five hundred one c three corporation formed by the government that you literally have to abide by IRS parameters to, to, you know, do what you do in the church? And a lot of people say, "Well, yes, bless God, but I don't do that. I say whatever I want to say." Well, fine, but you're still under that. You still went into contract with the government with the IRS. You still got your right to exist as a church. There's got to be some spiritual dynamic that's going on, and it can't be good. Can't be good. Why? Because the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations corrupt, you know, now, does that mean every 501c3 church is wicked and evil? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But it's not helping you on any kind of spiritual level. Then you got the even the more extreme where you've got literally thousands and thousands and thousands of clergy response team preachers across America that are literally covert literally gathering intel data mining on their congregants on their all their parishioners their whole congregation and they're not telling them that they're even doing it because they can't because they've they've sworn to uphold an oath to the government that I wouldn't reveal this the bible says to swear to no man swear not it says swear not we're not supposed to swear But they basically have to do that to be a clergy response team person. And then when, when it goes down, pandemic, martial law, and the preacher calls all the people into the thing, you know. Well, we got a vaccination truck outside. I'm All my faithful people, obey the law of the land. You go out there, you get your vaccine, and then we're going we're gonna to protect you. We're going to put you on this rail car. And we're gonna take you to your final destination. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not wicked. I've reported on this over and over again. I'm not saying all. I'm not saying every preacher's evil and wicked, and that every one of them are on the FEMA Clergy Response Team. I'm not saying that, but most of them are some shade of that. Most of them are bare minimum 501c3. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 10, only by pride cometh contention. Now this is like an unjust contention, what we're in reference to here. Jesus contended with the Pharisees and Sadducees. So we have to rightly divide the word of truth. I'm trying to contend for the truth. I expose wickedness, sure, I do, yeah. But we're talking about contention that is is motivated by pride. Like, I got my pride hurt, so I'm gonna... I'm gonna go after this person because I got my pride hurt. So I'm gonna get in it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cause other people to hate them. I'm gonna spread rumors about them and gossip and backbite. And we'll get everybody on my side. That, I believe, is the type of contention we're in reference to here. I know I've been in the middle of that type of contention now ever since I released the Mandela study. Well, even before that, way before that, what am I saying? in earnest since then. But I'm a big boy. It's okay. Like I said, if God wants to put that on me so that they take their emphasis off other Christians, okay, that's that's just. That's just. Um, Romans one twenty-eight, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, this is primarily in reference to men burning after men, women burning after women, the gays and the lesbians. Okay. Um, and I'm sure that if Satan can zero in on some verses in the King James, these are going to be the ones that would be also high on the priority list because we want to legalize. No, it's not even legal. It's already legalized. We want to make it illegal to even speak against the gays. Satan wants the whole world to be just like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how bad he wants it to get to. Where you've got, in Sodom and Gomorrah's case, gay guys, sodomites, groping at the door of Lot to try to get to the handsome angels inside so that they can know them. It's the King James really nice way of saying, you know, they wouldn't have sex with them. That's how bad it was in Sodom and Gomorrah's day. There was a verse, there was a chapter in, in Judges about that. I just read that the other day. Man, that was, woo. Judges, man, that's a, woo Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Whoa, they were doing some messed up stuff in Judges, man. Yeah. And, you know, they did what was right in their own eyes, and that's why it was messed up. They weren't following the word of God. So this is what we're this is what Satan wants to turn the whole world into. Sodom and Gomorrah. But he wants it to be worse than even what is portrayed in Sodom and Gomorrah because the big push right now is to legalize pedophilia. You know that they're they're putting up now notices on telephone poles about showing a man with a child with like the pedophile flag in the background saying all love is love or something of that nature. I saw I saw the poster the other day. That they're marching now in in um, the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered marches now. And the pedophiles are marching with them now. And they've got their pedophilic flag. they got their own pedophile flag. It's kind of like the rainbow flag, but it's lighter colors. And that they've got literal banners up that say no pedo bashing. With NAMBLA on the bottom. North American Man-Boy Love Association. See... They're showing their true colors. It's coming out now. God's revealing all of this with the pedophiles. And I do believe Trump is trying to fight this. And I do believe that they realize that if they lose the midterms and Trump is able to continue what he's been doing, because if they, the only reason, the only platform, and I understand, because so there's not a dime's difference between Democrats and Republicans. I get that. I understand that. And for the most part, I would agree with you. But what I'm saying is that What they are stating is that their whole platform during midterms is purely on impeaching Donald Trump. They're going to try to rig those midterms any way they can. They're going to try to get as many of their reprobate people in there as they can to vote. And I pray to God their souls be saved. But um, that's what they're trying to do. That is their priority. They want to to impeach Trump because they want to install whatever kind of kangaroo government in there and undo all of the good things that he has done. And he's done a lot of good stuff. I pointed out when he's done wickedness, I also think that his hands have been tied to a certain extent and I think he's made some also some very bad decisions along the way. I've done whole studies on that, so don't accuse me of being a Trump worshiper because I'm not. I said from the beginning I'll, I'll expose him when he needs to expose and I'll give him credit when credit's due. But what I'm telling you their agenda is is to impeach him and that's what we're going to be talking about today and i haven't even got into that i'm i'm way over time on this part but that's what we're going to be looking at because they want to bring sodom and gomorrah and they want to bring pedophilia and the legalization of it that is their number one priority that is satan's number one priority and it's the number one priority of god to not have that happen that's why i say we should be focusing in on that and not a lot of this other stuff Yeah, I had to do the teachings because it had to be done. I had people begging me to do them for years. But I don't want to sit here and focus on this for the rest of my ministry. I'm not going to. There's no way. Romans 1.28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, Murder, debate, and this is not righteous debate. This is unrighteous debate. Deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters. It's kind of a lot of stuff that I've just been talking about. Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. You could say, well, yeah, it's just about, about the gays. Well, hold on. There's a whole group of people they are mentioned in here. And it's way beyond the gaze. Kind of God's lumping them all in there together. Sounds like to me. And that's his business, not mine. So, you know, we all need to, you know, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's what the Bible says. Judge yourself every day. Don't judge those without. And I understand, you're not going to go, I mean, if you're in a bad part of town and, you know, are you going to, well, I'm not going to judge him. He's trying to sell me crack or whatever. I'm going to give him money for that crack. No, that's not what we're, we're talking about. You know, he was spiritual judge of all things. That means you're, you're, you know, if you go up to a stove and it's got a hot thing, you're not going to lay your hand on the hot stove thing. You're judging. Okay, I'm talking righteous judgment here. God loves righteousness. He loves righteous judge Judgment. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about unrighteous judgment where it's like you're trying to press your own agenda. You're trying to get your way. There's there's difference. There's obviously a big difference there. Proverbs 17, 19. He he loveth transgression that loveth strife. You like strife. You like debate. You like contention. You like all that stuff. You know? He loveth transgression that loveth strife, and he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. These people that are trying to exalt themselves and to be seen among men, wherever they are, wherever they are, particularly, I think a lot about this in ministry. You're seeking your own destruction. You're seeking your own destruction. When you seek to exalt your own gate, meaning you seek to elevate yourself in the sight of men. The Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Proverbs 23, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife. It is an honor to do that. I've had to constantly and continually try to do that every day. Just to try to cease from strife. Not saying I'm perfect, or I've been perfect at it. But when when you're getting attacked like I am, that's what you kind of got to try to do. Give it to God. Let Him handle it. I have found that a lot of times the degree to which I do not defend myself is the degree to which God will go before me and defend me. You could say, well, you're defending yourself right now with this whole thing. I'm stating facts. I'm giving you my experience. I'm not trying to create, create further division and strife. I'm sure it probably will to a certain extent for certain people that are gonna be now, nah, they're really gonna be. But I am also not gonna sit back like a spineless little whatever and not address this matter. And it's not about me. It's really not. It's about what does the Bible say. And that's what I'm going over. That's what I'm trying to cover. I hate that garbage. I hate that strife and garbage and arguing and backbiting. I hate it. And there's so many people that are, ugh, they they just want to try to draw you into it. And again, meanwhile... 4,000 abortions just occurred today in America. 100,000 worldwide. 100,000 everyday abortions worldwide. What should we be focusing on? How is bickering with one another advancing the kingdom of God? How is that getting people saved? How is that loving people to Christ? It's not. It's doing no good. When we're in that mindset, me included, it's, it's unproductive. At bare minimum, it's unproductive. And at maximum, it's totally going against the will of God. And we're bearing bad fruit. I'm not talking about walking around in sinless perfection, okay? Yes, we should strive for that, absolutely. You know, but we should strive for that. Going further, it says, so it's an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Meddling in other people's business. Meddling in things that they don't need to be meddling in. So when you're in an argument, and you even if if you know you're in the right, it's an honor for a man to cease from strife. God will reward you for that. Now, is there times that we do contend? Sure, absolutely. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Then it goes on to say, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like him. Well, how do you reconcile those two verses? Because there is a time when you do answer a fool according to his folly, for the sake of other people that, you know, he's leading astray, or for the sake of him, in particular, in some cases. And then there comes a time when you have answered him and no matter what you're doing it's not going to work and at that point you're casting your pearls before swine and then you answer not a fool according to his folly lest you be like him. Lest you become the, con- the, the the strife-filled, contentious person he is toward you or she is toward you. Rightly divide the word of truth. That's what this is all about. That's what the Bible is all about. Being good Bereans studying the word of god to see if those things were so that's how we're supposed to be christ-like christ contended with the pharisees and sadducees he called them serpents and vipers so there are times you know but is that where we live all the time and is that what we do to one to another Who is a wise man and to do with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. What are they talking about? Bitter, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts. Glory not. Do you know how common that is? I mean, really, really common. I've been in ministry a while now. And I can't tell you how many people have turned on me in other ministries. That's why I don't yoke up with anybody anymore. I can't. I learned that real early on. I've learned it up until this very day. Good Lord, so many of these people that hate my guts now, all I ever did is promote their ministries. I never said a bad word about them. Never did teachings on them. And then it's like, whoa, you know, all of a sudden one day I'm Lucifer. And I'm just one per I mean, this happens all the time, all over the world. It is very, very hard in today's day and age, especially if you have a fair amount of biblical knowledge, to not let pride come in and totally ruin you. That's what I found to be truth. It is very, very, very hard for people in ministry to, to, to keep back and, and to stay away from the malignancy, the demon of Pride. This is where all this comes... It says pride only comes by... Content, contention only comes by pride. It's the hardest thing evidently to do in ministry. I think because God's humbled me so much for so long and, and, and <laughs> it's, it's been a little easier for me. Maybe it's just not something I've... Not to say I've never battled pride. I'm not saying that. But I don't know. I, I guess some people... Everybody has different crosses they're bearing. Everybody has different things they deal with they struggle with and i've seen people that get into ministry pride being the worst thing that messes people up women in ministry i'm gonna flat out tell you i've done a whole teaching on it what women can do for the lord they are without a doubt when they get in ministry and there's no headship over them and they're up on the internet teaching both men and women from what my experience has been it always ends in disaster and that's biblical Because there is no Bible for that. There is not. I know that's going to really tick a lot of people off too. The pastor, the elder, the bishop, the deacon is to be the husband of one wife. In the Bible that was portrayed, men that were teaching God's word in a ministerial capacity to both men and women, okay, they were men. I'm not saying women can't do anything for the Lord. I'm not saying if a woman has proper headship, she can't do anything for God or ever speak about biblical things or leave people. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about women, lone wolf women by themselves. I Every single time I've seen it where they get full of pride and the men aren't too far off. Not every man, but I'm talking about a lot of people. We're in the end times, guys. The most deceptive time the world's ever known. We should be on the lookout for this. The Bible said that there are going to be men are going to be traitors, heady, high-minded, proud, boasters. We have to guard against this pride coming in. All of us, me included. Guard your heart. Pray for humility and fear of God because that is the best antidote for pride that there is. Pride was the first sin of the Bible. Satan fell. It's before Adam and Eve sinned. His heart was lifted up because of his merchandise and because of his beauty. That's why it said. Pride is the most dangerous sin there is because a proud person doesn't even think they've got a problem. They're proud. And they think they're in really good standing with God. They don't see it. They're spiritually blinded. Whereas a murderer typically knows he's a murderer. Thief knows he's a thief. Proud person doesn't think there's anything wrong. Pride is probably going to take more people to hell than any other sin you got all the isms of the world, all the world religions, they're all based basically on pride. Look at what I'm doing to earn my way to wherever they're trying to get to, nirvana, heaven, wherever. It's all pride. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnessism, it's all pride. I'm gonna be one of the chosen ones of God and dwell with God and whatever. It's all works-based. Jesus Christ is not works-based. It's the only religion that's not works-based. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Go to my true salvation tab at contendingfortruth.com and it'll lead you through the whole thing there on salvation and what needs to transpire afterward. i try to cover that as thoroughly as I can. Um, so this wisdom descendeth not from above, this bitter envy and strife descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion. It's a lot of confusion in the church. A lot of envy and strife in the church. It's a social club for the most part. Where is the church on all these pedophile issues? Do you know what the church could do if they started mobilizing and going against these pedophiles? I'm just talking about one issue here. We could turn the world upside down overnight with the forces that... the numbers that we have in the church i'm talking 501c i'm talking the whole enchilada i'm not talking like mormons so much or i'm talking about people that would identify as, as a christian okay lutherans methodists baptists the whole nine yards the whole enchilada pentecostals whatever we turn the world upside down where is the church on these unbelievably in your face brutal things with the pedophilia that i have been documenting over and over weekly in newsletters I don't see them. I see little sects of independent media and little sects of Christians and people that actually have a backbone going out there, putting their lives on the line to expose this stuff. But so much of the time, people don't even care or they're too afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not. The fear of man bringeth a snare. The Bible talks about the fearful being cast into the lake of fire. You need to get rid of that spirit of fear. And it is a spirit. Go up and do WinWorley's mass deliverance. Do that. Easiest thing I can tell you. Keep doing it until you don't need to keep doing it anymore. He explains the whole thing. Just can't Win Worley, mass deliverance. W-I-N-W-O-R-L-E-Y. Mass deliverance. He's got like a couple of them. I'm not saying he's the only be-all, end-all. I plan on doing a study on this. But I'm telling you, right there alone... You know, deliverance is for Christians, guys. It's not for the unsaved. Again, if it was for the unsaved, that would be so pointless because the devils would just come back seven were seven times worse. Now, could you deliver somebody like Jesus did with the maniac at the Gadarenes? Yeah, he was saved instantly. He was in his right mind after he got rid of the legion of demons. He was in his right mind and he got saved. And he wanted to follow Jesus. So you can use it in that regard, but it's for, primarily it's for Christians. Stuff I've never said in, in the last seven months. I'm finally saying it now in this ministry. You know? Because I think there was a part of me that was fearful. And oh, how many people am I gonna lose? And how much ridicule? I don't care anymore. I don't know. You know, God's changed me. I don't care. Any little amount of fear I had left in me, I believe is gone now. For where envy, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. That's the norm in the churches. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, And easy to be entreated. It's how you approach people with the gospel of Christ. In that way. You approach them like you're trying to smash their head with a Bible. They're not going to be open to that. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. Which implies not judging. And without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is in, is sown in peace of them that make peace. He is the prince of peace. Don't you love peace? I love peace. I love gentleness. I love meekness. When I see that, it is so attractive to me. You know? And you can see it so many places. You can see it in little animals. You can see it in little children. You can see it in in women and in men. You can see it in nature. There's so many places you can see that, that God still lets us get glimpses of that. You can have experiences with God, literally, in prayer, in fasting, in communing and worshiping God, raising your hands to God and giving Him thanks, praising Him and blessing His holy name, like the Bible says we should be doing. That's what's going to win people to the Lord. That's what's going to change the earth, that, not strife and envy and and debate and contention this is what we should pursue peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy does that mean I think I've always behaved that way? no, I'm as guilty as charged as anybody so anyway, I'm so far over on time here Um, God bless you, and we will see in part two where we'll actually start. And what I'm doing here also, I posted the Mandela thing here right after the the Bible verses. Um, So God bless you, and we will see you in part two.